Yeah, I mean, like, you, you know, you think of Rocky and Bullwinkle, and at least Boris and Natasha try some wacky different shit every mm-hmm. time. Peabody and Sherman, they're going to different yeah, times. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there's other stuff in there, like, I don't know. Dudley Do-Right, not much. Right. Apparently, though, really good at eating pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you hear that from? I. It's just... My put Wahoon. <laughs> 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 yeah first yeah a primary source <laughs> straight from the horses <laughs> my name is mr sour pickles they are the visionaries grappling hook about helping to up with people. We're getting on my nerves, horse. We can't ever go back to Arizona. Hi, How did JFK get my spaghetti video? To help them fight Hey, y'all. It's Saturday Morning Tuesdays. We're an adult podcast about children's cartoons. I'm your host, Rory. I'm Andy. And I'm Austin. We're in the... We're smack dab in the middle of our peak 90s bullshit arc where we are just looking at the 90s nastiest <laughs> most upsetting as episodes of television ever to air within you know those parameters yeah I like 90 it, it is good if the if the 70s and the 80s were like the childhood of cartoons I feel like the 90s are really the awkward adolescence you know oh for sure cartoons are 17 and weird yeah yeah. They're like trying to be adult. They're yelling at their their parents constantly. Not a girl, not yet a woman, as Britney <laughs> Spears would say. Um, yeah, we're in a weird place, and we last week we did street sharks and extreme dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, we did, and it was it was. Uh, I think I think we have two sides of the coin here, right? Because I think street sharks and extreme dinosaurs is exactly what I thought this arc would be like, mm-hmm. and. The shows that we watch tonight uh, are not at at all. The other side of the coin, yes. Yeah. I found myself extremely surprised um, in not always good ways uh, by Bureau of Alien Detectors and Exo Squad, which are the two shows that we decided to watch today. And I don't... (laughs) I don't really I was I, I think here, here's a here's a surprise that I found afterwards when I went looking up information. Uh, Bureau of Alien Detectors came out before Men in Black, the movie. Just before. That is wild to me because but of how both, similar that idea is. But both are after X-Files. Yes. True. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Alien Mania is still like, you know, running a hot mm-hmm. in yeah. the U.S., mm-hmm. You're not wrong that it, it it smacks of of an MIB ripoff. Unfortunately, it, it cannot claim that that crown of filth. No, but it's also <laughs> too close to MIB coming out that it's not the other way around either. It just know, feels yeah. like it was all kind of in the collective. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it does feel like the like we have Men in Black at home, and the Men in Black at home <laughs> is Bureau of Alien Detectives. Yeah, because it's also like MIB is like an initialism in the same way. I mean, it doesn't say anything like MIB is nothing, but like they're both men in black and the MIB. And this is Bureau of Alien Detectors, which is B.A.D. Well, kind of. It's Bureau of Alien Detectors. So it should be BOAD. (laughs) (laughs) It should be BOAD. Uh, Bureau of Alien Detectors. Not that this we're kind of getting into the weeds of, you know, the sort of like alien show stuff, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they steal the the EBE moniker of aliens from from X Files. Oh, really? Oh, is that, is that from X Files? Yeah, extraterrestrial biological entity, or I think, it's, I think that's what they say. Yeah, that's what they right? say. Yeah, entity. Yeah, yeah, that's X Files. Dang. Okay, I had no idea. That's annoying. Actually, I kind of hate that. Well, it like, could be on. No work I, I forgot to check if it was on Fox Kids. It could have been on the same network. Oh no! It's on. It was air, It aired on UPN. Oh. <laughs> like, like all incredible content, it came out on UPN. <laughs> uh, I yeah. W- if you look at the Wikipedia entry for this show, uh, I don't know if they're quoting like a like a like ads from the time, or if it's a quote at all, or if it's just someone writing this into the article. But it does say it was touted as X Files meets the A Team, and I guess I see where they're coming from with that. Um. Yeah, well, they've shot too high. It's Mm -hmm. it's Centurions trying to be (laughs) X-Files. It's very, very odd. I'm glad you mentioned shooting too high because I want to briefly, we're going to, we're not fully in it yet, but when we, I want you to stick around, even though you've probably, listener, you've never heard of either of these shows. (laughs) um, I really want you to to stick around for our second discussion when we get around to ExoSquad because... Yeah, maybe one of the more fascinating, surprising pieces of content I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I Um, agree. And I'm really interested to sort of compare these two and talk about them. uh, Yeah, because we're really looking at this week. It is interesting how they pair, but we're looking at shows that really did kind of shoot a little too high for their own caliber, (laughs) Um, you know, who really decided to push um, narrative in different ways. Um, and by push, I mean jam pack uh, this <laughs> show with with too much bullshit. And, yeah. you know, Street Sharks was light. Extreme Dinosaurs, yeah, it's very sort of brainless, light, stupid-ass content. This stuff is like... Yeah, Street Sharks has a foot in the 80s, and these yes. two have their foot in the 2000s. I really do yeah. think that. Yeah, I, totally. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a. It, I mean, we're gonna get into bad here in a second. It's bad. Bureau of Alien Detectors is a is a <laughs> is, is a pretty upsetting cartoon. Properly named, yeah. But Exo Squad, just to wet a whistle, uh, is is it's basically a, a Universal Studios saying, hey. We can do Robotech too. Hey, we, we have can Robotech do Mobile Suit. Yeah, we have Robotech at home. We have Mobile Suit Gundam at home, and we can do this too. And I don't know that they failed. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited to do it. I'm so excited to talk about it. Um, yeah. So with that in place, let's dive right in. To many, it is modern day folklore. To others, it is simply tabloid headlines. But to a select few. It is the ultimate reality. Intergalactic aliens have arrived on Earth. Now, they move among us. Only one top-secret elite group of trained professionals has the ability to detect these extraterrestrial beings. B.A.D. The Bureau of Alien Detectors. Led by Squadron Leader Sergeant Ben Packer, military war hero, Special Agent Shane Sanderson, life science expert, Moose Tringanu, alien encounter survivor, Colin Marcus, computer specialist, and Casey Taylor, psychic communicator. Together, they have only one mission, to confront, control, and contain all alien encounters. Together, they are B.A.D., the Bureau of Alien Detectors. All right, everybody, we are back, and I'm going to need you to put down the Lunchable. I want you to turn off 
that episode of Friends. You've seen it before anyway. Uh, stop taking silly putty and putting it on the newspaper and seeing how the newsprint comes up on the silly putty and thinking that qualifies as fun. I hey, need us to put talk away about- <laughs> the fucking Chumbawamba CD for one minute <laughs> and stop watching the dancing baby. Yeah. Yeah, that baby's going to keep dancing. It'll still be dancing when we're done talking about Bureau of Alien Detectors, episode number one, The Hunt. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) The team must defend an extraterrestrial ambassador nicknamed Crystal Eve from alien terrorists who are opposed to sharing of the knowledge and technology between species. So, Which half of that is from one throwaway line in this episode, and the other half implies that maybe anyone other yeah, than a rando f- dude named her Crystal Eve. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure he gave him he gave her his favorite porn star name. That's I we know, all agree. Crystal Eve like, is a porn star name. <laughs> does sound like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to be confused uh, with other porn star Eve Crystal. Yeah, great work. Um, so <laughs> this this show. So this is the first episode of Beery of Alien Detectors. I had to go back and double check because I was pretty sure they started the first episode with a previously on. Um, but that, in fact, was that weird thing that shows do where they show you 15, like a synopsis of the first 15 minutes of the cartoon that you're about to oh, watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, tonight, and- tonight, here's most of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's in fucking a- weird. And even, and I mean, to be fair to better content that we watch, uh, Sailor Moon, the Sailor Moon dub. Uh, also did this, you know, like today on Sailor Moon, and she did like a thing, but it didn't like spoil the episode. Like, well, I know, I, I do think, I do think that's a reasonable thing to do if you put it in context where uh, there are these, you know, three different or four different or two different, depending on wh- exactly what year you're watching cartoons. But you know, they're all airing in this exact same block of time, these Saturday morning, as as the yeah. as the name of our podcast would entail. And if something doesn't seem good in 30 seconds, you kind of want to hedge your bets and, you know, go somewhere else before you can't, before you're locked in. Especially if you're on UPN. I know, right? (laughs) UPN's like, please stay on the network. We've got good stuff coming this half hour. I swear to God, you little piece of shit. Don't change the channel. But it's nice when these shows, if they do that little, like, teaser... Uh, they can have a, a charismatic character say, like, look out, it's going to be curtains for the for the gang as the clown mafia tries to invade. Look out. Oh, no. Look out for those throwing pies or something like tonight on this show I made up. Um, but it's clown just a mont. It's yeah, <laughs> cloud force. <laughs> um, but it's just kind of a montage. I mean, it feel it has the energy of a previously on for a show you couldn't have watched. Like, it's right. so dry. And there's just no context. And it's like, this is not a teaser. No, <laughs> this is not. This does not entice anybody. You're not getting anybody with this. Now, this show has taken a couple pretty big swings for a Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-hmm. A couple that I have never seen before. <laughs> One of which is subtitles. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. The aliens do not speak some kind of broken English. Uh, they speak in riddles that are subtitled. <laughs> they the, are these the subtitles two... are left aligned, not centered. With I know, no, with no punctuation in the sentence, <laughs> all just straight. And and they all these they're these sort of two faced double double the monsters. double oh. double monsters are that, fucking weird. <laughs> that God. speak like Triumph the Insult comic dog. 
um, <laughs> because they can't get a line out without a weird insult sort of paired as like a as like the familiar two form or something uh, that includes like lard butt. Um, and and again, no, no commas. So they might say a line like, for example, your butt is mine, blonde boy. But there's no comma. And so it's just your butt is mine, blonde boy. Left with aligned. A period. Yeah. Awkwardly not centered. Driving me nuts. I want to I want to call out. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if these are the official names, but I'm pretty sure at least the the uh, the Bureau of Alien Detectors calls those guys double jaw heads, <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant. I want to I want to I want to drill down on these guys real quick uh, so that we, we have we have an alien species that I was unclear for most of the episode whether or not they were two different species uh, because they look entirely different. But I think what we're dealing with here is a, is a classic. The men of an alien species look nasty, and the woman of an alien species we need. Are to they supposed to be the same species? Make out. I, could I not think tell. because she transforms. So I was going to mention this because she transforms yeah. into this sort of androgynous monster, which was going to be my second big, my second big pat on the back to Bureau of Alien Detectors, uh, <laughs> is interspecies intergender Frenching. Wow. Yeah. Because uh-huh. the blonde boy. Kisses the shit out of Crystal Eve. They pretty rigidly gender Crystal Eve. They kiss while she's hot, but she can transform into a monster. It's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I I just these monster other people that show up. So so I'll I'll give an extra little bit of context, right? So basically the premise of this is that there is like a some some alien has crash landed here on earth they're like an ambassador or something and their mothership is coming to pick them up in like six hours uh and it's going to be a problem if they don't like some sort of you know interplanetary snafu might be war might whatever it's it's an interplanet benghazi situation (laughs) oh god yeah and uh and so they've got the, the bureau of alien detectors has her and she's like unconscious or whatever and there's this extreme faction of the aliens that hates her because she's like going to share technology with humans or something. And they're here to kill her. But also because her armpits stink really bad. Oh my God. (laughs) That's the first thing they say, isn't it? It's like, we're so stinky. The scent of her armpits is strong this way. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Until that, until that moment, this show was not funny or even seemingly trying to be funny. And And yet it wasn't either after. No. It wasn't afterwards, but it it is jokey. It's jokey. And nothing about the rest of this whole episode is jokey in the slightest to me, except for these horrible aliens who I want to make you sure you understand. If you don't look at this, if you don't see an image, they have not just a mouth on top of another mouth vertically. They've got two whole faces. Am I wrong about that? No, no, it's like the middle face. The middle face looked to me. I I didn't like give it a, a strong pause and you know and examine but it kind of seemed like it was on the like on a monitor it was like flatter well the top face was much more much more emotive it's like you copy pasted a rancor's face (laughs) just below the other face of the rancor on a rancor body it's just it's really it's really unsettling and awful they've got these sharp teeth they look like a knockoff he-man villain and then this other alien who might be the same species as them and might not be is a hot blue Star Trek alien, basically. She's like an Alex Mack, a little bit. True. She can she... turn into goo, she can shapeshift, and she's hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, the the Bureau of Alien Detectors, the squad, are a very generic faux military 
operation. Yeah. Yes. If that, you've been having trouble sort of getting a bearing on what this show is, that is because this is a really bad episode one. Yeah. Um, it is. It does not. Apparently, this is not the pilot. The pilot was moved to episode 11 or something, but this was picked as episode one. But we don't know anything about these people, about uh, Ben, Shane, Moose, Colin and Casey. <laughs> and we know and about I, we learned about Shane a little bit, but <laughs> we learn a lot about Shane. Friend of the show. <laughs> no, not that. Not our Shane. Our Shane would never. Um, French and alien. He would in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you have a whole section on your other podcast about <laughs> about which alien to French. <laughs> but oh. enough about enough about your Shane. Let's talk about. Um, the bad, the bad Shane, mm-hmm. as if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is another reason this is such a bad episode. One is that we establish that this hot alien is has a trouble with the heat of the planet. Like she needs to be cold, so she likes the cold, and so they spend the whole time like in the Arctic or yeah. something. And that means our main characters, who we've never met before, spend the entire episode bundled, swaddled in wearing arctic. face masks <laughs> yeah it's yeah true. arctic clothing we have no idea who's who yeah uh we we don't we learn really learn anything about them uh except that shane has developed a huge huge <laughs> crush on this lady who, who is psychic and... the weird thing about was the weird thing they, they i think they've been trying to create a sort of interesting ecosystem of her of her powers and of her what she can and can't do uh but it winds up being pretty tedious because uh, all cool things she can do, be they uh, mind mind melding or turning into goop or a monster or Frenching, pretty much everything <laughs> makes her faint. She's like a fainting goat. Yeah, <laughs> right, it's really right. it's really rough about that. She can miraculously heal people, but at the expense of her own life force. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's it's a it's a neat limitation, but on the screen, it just winds up with this character who's constantly fainting. And it's right. not only not only not interesting, but it's it's, you know, I think vaguely sexist. Right. Yeah. There, there's there's potentially an interesting Star Trek episode to be had or, or X-Files or whatever to be had out of that concept. Yeah, exactly. But they don't they don't do that here. No. It's just not done. Yeah. And we also don't really get a lot of answers to some of the questions they raise, because when when they show up, uh, well, when she starts telepathically communicating, she can only communicate with Shane. Uh, which is kind of funny. They, the rest of them can't hear her, and it's unclear why it's just Shane. It's probably the power of love or something. No, but, it, do, don't you remember? He like it was like part of the healing. He fell and cut his hand, and then she she right. put her she put yeah. her spores in his blood. That's right. Yeah, and he's like, "What do I call you? What's your name?" Name? I am a Project Crystal. Okay, then I'll call you Crystal Eve. You <laughs> know, like my porn star. He- you could just say Crystal. I mean, that's Yeah, you right. could have just said Crystal, but he added Crystal Eve. But she says, I am a Project Crystal. And we never get anything else about that. Is she created? No, Is she an experiment? Like, there's something cool here, and the show doesn't do anything with it. And well, and similarly, like, every time she's a fainting goat, there's, that's never once an actual problem in the episode that they need to overcome. Like, how do we get up the mountain when this chick mm-hmm. keeps fainting? 
it, it's, she can also shapeshift into a giant like wolf monster. So into a giant like, wolf monster, usually I agree. not a problem. I, I completely agree. <laughs> but I guess my point was like, if you're going to include this odd bit of world building, at least build it into the narrative too. Yeah, it's just a thing that's happening, not in the background, but sort of tangential to the story. Right. It doesn't ever cause a meaningful conflict. Correct. Now, uh, there. I don't want to I don't want to say that this is a bad pick for this arc because it is it is correct. It is bullshit. It is 90s. It is kind of 90s bullshit. But it I think about 95 percent of this show kind of lacks that that like grungy fun we were looking for uh-huh. yeah. with a name with a name like bad Bureau of Alien Detectors. This show should have been dumber. It's trying so hard to be real and serious. I mean, we were, I think, expecting it to be more like cops, right? The, like, uh-huh. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. And it, I will say, I will say, 90s alert or whatever, we have one, we have one thing that says this was in the 90s, which is that at a certain point, the rest of the squad needs to go find Crystal and Shane or whatever. They're all separated and mm. they go and they're like, break out your snowboards. Come on. Let's go, team. And they all pull out snowboards and break out down the, the snowboard ripping was was very nineties. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yes, um, but it's joyless. Was, otherwise, it's incredibly it's, it's joyless. It's such a snooze. It's such an absolute <laughs> snooze. There, because again, I think look well, at they're the not ripping tricks. Like Skyscraper no. Strike Force knew what they were doing. They knew <laughs> what it had to be to. To have everybody be surfer. They had dudes. a guy named Crazy Stunts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, they busted the these, these snowboards out completely unironically and they and as if it was just the the mode of transport of the time. It's their job. They snowboard like it's their job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have some I just, drill of the nineties. So many of these shows like Street Sharks or Sky Surfer Strike Force are really character focused. You know, they're they're very like driven by these strong characters. They might even be good characters, but you remember mm-hmm. them. I don't know anything about like where's the food one? Where's the where's the which one is a party dude? I don't know. How am I Hey, I did you catch that? Did of... you catch that that Moose, who we other I don't even know speaks a line in this episode. Maybe he does, but Moose can morph himself. He like okay. randomly out of nowhere is like elemental form and his arm yes. goes into the snow <laughs> and he Apparently, makes a snow arm. Apparently they have superhuman powers that don't. I think it's just Moose. I looked it Is up it on the Wikipedia page. I think it's just Moose who had some sort of like ET interaction. Like he had some sort of spooky alien interaction that gave him okay. some morphing powers. But then if you're going to give one guy a power, why not give them all interesting powers? Like give him. And why not have him be the main character? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> great, great question. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. just so much is not firing here. Yeah, off off and camera, Moose, Moose met Prince Elfangor Elf and was <laughs> okay. given morphing power. <laughs> All right, we got to take the the Animorphs chat off offline. <laughs> I want to talk about '90s bullshit? No, I don't. I take that back. I feel yeah. bad. Animorphs is great. Animorphs is incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I only there's only one quote that I really want to drop because I thought it was funny in the moment, which is that uh, when Crystal realizes Shane Shane gets into some sort of mortal accident and she and that's not an accident. He's just dying of hypothermia. He's just sitting there like, I'm fine. His teeth are chattering. And she's like, I'm going to kiss you better. And they make out. And as a result, it looks like maybe she's given him all that she had. And she collapses. And he goes, no, Crystal. No. 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 And 
the way his last snake? note just it's echoes. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's really funny. It's just so overdramatic. It's such a missed target that's like so exactly what this whole thing is that. Right. But uh, for a show with this level of maturity, I was genuinely caught off guard by the full French. Yeah. yeah. For real. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I also want to call out just one of the, unfortunately, you can't clip drop these because they're just subtitled alien <laughs> gurgles. But one of these nasty men um, does say, uh, suck laser dog meat. <laughs> and I would sort of emphasize that, but without any punctuation, I don't know what, th- you know, is it suck laser dog meat or is it suck, suck laser, laser dog meat? Suck Maybe laser dog meat. Yeah, he's, he's calling him meat, and he <laughs> goes, suck, suck laser, laser dog, dog. meat. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he's supposed to suck the meat of a laser dog. Of a laser dog. <laughs> We've mm. all been there. Ah, <laughs> oh, the meat of a laser dog. I mean, I, is that pretty much it for this one? That's, that's pretty much it. That's there's all only, we've I, got. I, I just want to, I just want to, there's one more bewildering thing right at the end, which is that, like, they have to be separated, this, this, this woman and oh, Shane. Oh, that's right. That, I actually kind of like that. They're, then they're still sort of, like, telepathically linked and are kind of yeah. wounded by the separation. They're both in some kind of telepathic pain. I thought it was odd, though, because she gives him, like, a crystal of some sort, and he, and then the narration comes over, and it's like, ah, oh, yes, but they were, like connected and blah 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 but like we see him stand there and look up at the sky and his crystal like explodes or disappears <laughs> yeah it's odd what like is is like what is that what are we, saying imp- we don't want to draw it in the other episodes so <laughs> it's invisible now did it go inside him can they not communicate now because it exploded what was the purpose of this I moment i don't know yeah yep yep it's fucking no, baffling it, it did remind me of uh chun li and the warrior king a little <laughs> bit though we gotta find out what happened to the warrior king we do need to figure out we need to follow his journey (laughs) the chronicle of the warrior king much more interested in the warrior king (laughs) than anything involving bad (laughs) i was i kind of want to post mortem on this just for a second okay this is a show i really wanted to like i think i think if the protagonists weren't generic military nothings it could have been pretty cool yeah. Was that not the, the, the weakest link to you guys? This just that oh, the yeah. characters were completely unrelatable. I yeah. agree. I agree. I mean we did I mean we get basically nothing from them, so we have no we have no entry point. Like we're just sort of watching this like anthropologist, sort of like, what were they trying to say with this show? Like like if there was if there was like a I don't know, I'm not trying I'm not trying to say like Guardians of the Galaxy, like it doesn't make any sense, but like, you know, a a a funny, sassy team. Maybe more. I mean, like like Austin said, Sky Surfer well, Strike yeah. Force, like a funny, and, intriguing and, team. And it was clear they were willing to take chances. The Triangle Men speaking not English is a big fucking swing for a children's cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we compare this to something like the Men in Black cartoon, for instance, which I've seen a lot more of than I think either of you have. We only watched the one episode a while ago, right? But if we compare it to the Men in Black cartoon, we've got those main characters who are kind of dry. But they've got an interesting, like, extended cast and, like, a couple aliens that they, like, regularly interact with and, like, a power structure that we learn to understand and, like, And they can lean on the film. So, like, even if they're not quite as good as the film, uh, Mm -hmm. J and T, that, like, they're, you know, they're facsimiles of a character you've learned about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Let's talk about ExoSquad. Robert, 
mm. Robert Robert Foy, your full name, your Christian name, Robert. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you if you could do us the honors and tell us about our brand new sponsor for this week. Can you do it? First, I need a yes or no. I'm boy, I don't love the way I've been asked to consent to it, but I am <laughs> going to say yes. Great. I love to hear it. Can you tell us about our sponsor, Sky Bastards? Mm-hmm. Whoa. So if you're if you're like me, you have you've stepped out upon your porch to to uh, you know take the temperature of the day, figure out what's going on, who's in charge of what. You know, is it is the coat in charge or the boots in charge? Yeah. This is how we this is how we all describe dressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, if you're like me, then this comes with an inherent. An inherent flaw, an inherent, an inherent glitch in the matrix, if you will, uh, because the second you are exposed to the elements, they they come for you. Oh no! They, uh, I, I I know them only as the sky bastards. These these creatures of the of the what they are is they like to uh, get you. From from above, <laughs> sure, sure. I'm I'm fully on the same page. Uh, they are an intangible monster; it cannot be described or observed. Uh, they are awful, and they just they just want to mess up your day. And they always come for you, then. Oh, always. Oh, fully always. So, how do you go outside? Well, you just. I mean, I, the thing is, you just deal with it. Uh, you get your you get your umbrella and your rain boots, and you just make a make a dash for wherever you got to go, because the sky bastards are coming for you. I tell you, they're no they're no friend of mine. Yeah, why would they be? No, they're awful. They're they're real mean. They're real stinkers. They're real airborne stinkers. And if you uh, don't want to don't want to wind up like me, ravaged by sky bastards, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you do well to. Get a grip. Get your shit together. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm really, I'm really doing my best. Even you know, uh, all language, all language turns to mush as it, as it tries to escape your mouth uh, while describing the, the sky bastards. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. Now, is this an awareness campaign or, or? You tell me, dog. This is your ad, and I told you I was really not a fan of talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. No, it's yeah, it's very important to to get the word out about them. Uh, I guess so. I, it sounds like most people really are not that troubled, not that plagued <laughs> by, by by this monster of the night. But uh, here we are. Yeah. Now, Rory, have you recently sort of succumbed to psychotropic drugs, uh, or are you just sort of normal? I don't know if succumbed is the right word. Sure. <laughs> Right, <laughs> thriving, maybe. <laughs> Living large. <laughs> Living large. Well, okay. Well, uh, I wish you the best, Rory, on your apparently your personal struggles with Sky <laughs> And we'll, you know, keep an eye out for him, I guess. Oh, that'd be can. lovely. You know, but so far, so far, you know, we haven't seen him. <laughs> <laughs> It was a golden age for all mankind. Using the incredible exoskeletons called E-frames, 
we had successfully terraformed Venus and Mars and were poised to move on to the outer planet. Suddenly, it all ended. We were pressed into a nightmarish war on a scale previously unimagined. We were attacked by our own creations, the Neo-Sapiens, a race of artificially created humans. Led by Phaeton, they have seized control of Venus, Earth, and Mars. This is Lieutenant J.T. Marsh, member of the Exofleet, leader of a small band of E-frame pilots dedicated to freeing humanity from Neo-Sapien rule. We are the Exo Squad. Okay, everybody, we're getting into the real meat of the day here. This is what you've been waiting for. <laughs> let's get uh, into the meat. Let's get into the meat of the day. Our and actually, segment, so, the meat of the day. <laughs> I was going to say this after the synopsis, but I, I think it makes sense to sort of preface it. Uh, we picked this show based on uh, what it appeared to be and its its obvious 90s nonsense. Mm-hmm. And in our research, we came across quite a bit of praise for this show. Yeah, that- it made us uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's really real. It did. Yeah, we had to we had to reframe it a little bit. We were gonna pick a random episode out of the middle, like frequently we're we're doing, uh, but it didn't. In the interest of a show that the internet tried to tell us has potential we decided to watch episode one instead we were at least we wavered in our convictions that this might not be bullshit this it Mm -hmm. peak 90s as it may be it uh there is the distinct possibility it's got a lot going on under the hood well and and i when i was watching the the theme again the intro theme um which you probably just heard just now and probably have heard that there's a lot of fucking shit going on in it. Um, I was getting a real X-Men, the animated series vibe. Yeah. And it turns out uh, a lot of the same people uh, worked on this first and then did X-Men later. And this is just like such a weird show. Yeah, there is It is. And I will say, while it may not be a true diamond in the rough, or maybe uh, the other two have not weighed in, I, I will say for a hundred percent. As soon as I finished this episode, I, I genuinely wished I'd budgeted enough time to watch it a second time before mm-hmm. recording, mm-hmm. or to watch yeah. episode two. Um, yeah, I, I to what you were saying, Austin, as well. Something I didn't know before we watched it, and maybe you haven't seen this either, is that, uh, and I don't, I don't understand why this is the case, but the the bureau of alien detectors was uh created and developed by eric and julia lewald or lewald lewald whatever i don't know how to say it uh but this was also de- the exo squad was also developed by eric lewald what like it's he, he didn't like create the idea but like he was yeah like he was hugely involved in exo squad and also this other thing that we watched that was really bad. So like I, it's it's interesting to me. There's like like we we accidentally last week didn't re- didn't realize that uh, that dinosaur that extreme dinosaurs was a spinoff of Street Sharks when we paired them, and uh, we've once again re- found another weird reason to pair these two together. Without well, we knowing. did our best to pair them, you know, you know, thematically, and, and I'm mm-hmm. not surprised. Like it is it's, it's surprising in in so much as it's it's odd to find out people are connected to other things. 
in a sort of kismetty way, but but our pairings it makes the most sense of you know possible. Yeah, that this mm-hmm. Eric Lawald didn't work on uh, ex or didn't work on uh, extreme dinosaurs. Right, totally. <laughs> as far right. as we know, you know. Yeah. So, so this show before before I kick it back to Austin to hit you with the knobs, uh, for better or for worse, uh, this felt like somebody got a different show greenlit. And then they decided to try to make a Breaking Bad. Yes, yes, wow, I yeah. fully agree with that. And yeah. I, in fact, in fact, in the the Wikipedia page, I believe uh, they mentioned that uh, they intended to create another robotic boy action property. Uh, <laughs> robotic boy action property is such a great name for a cartoon. It's such a great name. It's serious. I'm robotic boy action property. I'm owned by the state, and I will vanquish you. <laughs> yeah, but but you can see that, like you know, by the studio's account, this was like gonna be a toyetic, yeah, piece of shit. Um, much like a lot of the other trash we've seen, a spiral zone, or a you know, people that sort of put clunky shit on top of their action figure bodies, yeah. um, and you can buy all of it. Um, which interestingly enough, I think actually Bureau of Alien Detectors was could have been more toyetic yeah actually actually maybe suffered from not being like <laughs> like re- you know relentlessly capitalist enough maybe um i don't know um interesting anyway um this thing just whoever had a strong vision for this show just it was went, an attempt at high art this was an attempt yeah. to really elevate american animation yeah, yeah, to to be to be Robotech, to be Mobile Suit Gundam, um, but so we have Exosquad, uh, which again just disappeared from the face of the earth, uh, as far as we can tell. I don't, I've never heard of it outside of our same same research. So here we go, Episode One: Pirate Scourge, a pirate attack on a homeworld freighter led by the ruthless Jonas Simbaka results in a loss of lives and finally prompts the Homeworld's Congress to recognize the pirate threat. A task force consisting of most of the Exofleet is assembled to neutralize the pirate bases on the moons of Saturn. En route, it is caught in a pirate trap. This episode, I had to double check that I wasn't watching a double length episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so jam-packed with narrative content. In a way, that I don't know that it, it, it really benefits from, but it genuinely, uh, for for its pacing and for how how much it gets through, uh, I was surprised that they packed this into a twenty two minute episode. They had real storytellers working on this. Yeah, and I don't. I actually, I mean, maybe maybe you guys can point out some examples of of where I where this is not true, but I don't think any of their exposition was clunky either. No, like, I mean the you hear the intro. I think the acting was probably the weakest part of the show. Yes. yes. The voice acting uh, was pretty crappy. The intro is jam-packed with bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, where suddenly you're like E-frames and Neo Sapiens and Exoflea. The fuck is this show? Well, and then Okay, but 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 the the intro sequence, uh, as we've seen a, you, you see this all the time in these old cartoons, especially 80s ones, but the intro sequence is built, it's written to get you to the status quo that is after this four-part premiere. So, like, the intro sequence is actually spoilers to a a certain degree. uh, Because where we're at in this first episode, uh, the Neo-Sapiens have yet to actually start their war. 
Um, right. They're, so, so the Neo Sapiens, which this is the one thing I'm, I'm, I had some weird feelings about. Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna give the show the benefit of the doubt because it's obviously telling this sort of long form war story. Yeah. But the Neo Sapiens are, as far as I can tell, they are described as engineered workers that rose up and resisted. You, right. Humans. So I think this is a place where you are this is it for 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 the age that this is prescribed to this doesn't work but mm-hmm. um this is part of a long tradition of these sort of like genetically engineered you know terraforming first wave uh uh human subhumans demi-humans proto post humans right uh, it's 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 got a huge tradition in science fiction that is being pulled from that is not going to play with the audience that it's being presented to. Yeah. And I think that it's it's interesting. It's a really I want to give it points, but at the same time, it's a, it's a really easy trope. And it has been it's still used to this day. Like I can I can think of at least like three or four different examples of this. Like exact I said, yeah, idea. it's a, everybody sort of is on the same page that to, to truly, you know, colonize Jupiter is going to require some general genetically modified, you know second humans right yeah it's just that like they're bred to be workers it's that really kind oh, of totally. icky, like are these guys slaves and they're the bad guys is that uh, right right and that's know? that's what's that's what i'm i'm hoping but, the show figures itself like figures out or like doles out i mean to us over i mean the... there there is the the character the the gen the genetically modified uh uh member of the exo fleet uh, Marsala, uh, yeah. Marsala, who, who I think represents a, he, and he's an ambassador, and he's got his. What is his name? He's uh, this is Governor General Phaeton. Governor General, okay, yeah, yeah. So he's the bad guy. He is not presented really as that evil, right? He, he shows up in Congress and has a pretty reasonable argument. So his, so he is going to be revealed over this four part premiere as like maybe having engineered this situation so that the exo fleet is off dealing with the pirates so that he can start the war and go crazy while they're gone and um and so he's the he's the the bad guy who's just showing up sort of seeming reasonable here in this episode okay but uh but there's marsala who is on the exo squad's team who just seems like really nice and yeah. like like he's just a cool guy and so i think we get both sides of that it's 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 still weird. Like I don't know how I'm gonna feel about the um the long plot, given that the Neo Sapiens are the villains. But I'm hoping that they have more subtlety and more like exploring what that actually means, because they have a Neo Sapien on their team. And I I, I don't know. I don't know. Right? Like yeah, it could yeah. get really messy and nasty, but it could so, also be cool. So the way that they structure this episode uh, is also interesting, and they give us this sort of prologue with a it's like a tanker ship or a mining ship or some sort of like industrial the freighter freighter yeah um and we see there's a captain and then there's like a pilot who's having who has some kind of like sex hologram video <laughs> game <laughs> there's that i wanted to call out that moment they play around putting real human death on screen in a yeah. pretty good way they do yeah they do it's really surprising it's just kind of they've never show the whole body. You see like a foot and a hand, and mm-hmm. uh, when when somebody needs to uh, see if he's alive or dead, they just check his pulse with the hand. Uh, 
which you know is is not necessarily you know um avant-garde filmmaking but for for being able to portray the story you want to do uh, within the limitations of censorship on television for children i was pretty blown away it's surprisingly effective yeah, yeah. so this whole sequence is like the these these people in this this guy who has a sex hologram, I guess. Um, uh, they get they get overtaken by uh, these pirates by Simbaka, who is a big, hairy sort of Cornelius, Planet of the Apes kind of kind of yeah, gentleman. He, he's a space pirate, bad badass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we are we are seeing the investigation of this now derelict ship from the Exo Squad. Yeah, it's like every uh, Star Trek or Firefly or, you know, insert space yeah. show thing you've ever seen, right? I mean, like, this is a bit paint by numbers. Like, oh, well, we've answered a distress call and it's booby-trapped by space pirates, you know? But the, but the way that they, their dedication to setting the atmosphere of it and setting the, like, the tone and taking the time to do this sequence is really what set it apart, what really sort of caught totally. me off guard for a kid show is that this is not sort of, you know, blasted through. They really, like, actually set this scene and and you see this dead body and they see a a person who maybe wakes up a little bit who they thought everybody was dead and they move him and there's a like a mine placed in placed underneath his body and it sets yeah. off like a detonator which is like that's just a cool i mean it's just good it's yeah. just yeah. good sci-fi like so this is this is maybe i mean I, I if i had to pick my favorite thing about this episode this is probably my favorite thing so it's um oh hold on I need to check up the the names uh oh god it's it's Takagi who uh is this like rookie on the team and Takagi is the one who like is like oh my gosh is the guy okay and he like lifts the debris off the guy and as he's doing it JT the the like lieutenant commander the leader of the team is like Takagi don't and then they see the mine that's happened and so Takagi is sort of like it's not really his fault, but he didn't notice the mine. And they, boy, later in this episode, when they're like off to go deal with the pirates, on board their ship, there is a reporter who shows up. And this reporter is like, I was told it was your squad's action aboard the Danube that started this war. I would have said it was the pirates' action that started it. That's what I'm here for, your side of the story. I understand it was one of your men who cost that work crew their lives. What? I'd like to talk to him. That trooper responded properly under the circumstances. And they say, and they don't want to say it, and the guy, you, we, we cut over to Takagi, and he looks just ashamed, and they will all walk out, and as they're leaving, the reporter goes, he like continues with his news recording, and he's like, Well, there you have a look at the troopers of the Exo Squad. A spirit of tight-lipped solidarity, even in the face of the questionable actions of one of their own. Fuck, that's too real. Like, yeah. this is police mm -hmm. stuff. Like, this is, like, really intense. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just, that, that blew my fucking mind that they were doing this. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know if I'm giving him too much rope or what, or if I'm just like jaded by the no, shit uh, that we watch. I mean, I think we, I think we'd have to watch a little bit more to, to, to have a, a, a firmer idea of the genuine quality that is being produced and not what mm -hmm. is being aimed for, mm -hmm. right. but they're aiming high and yeah. And they're mostly succeeding. Mostly um, succeeding. I agree. It's a little, I had a little bit of trouble and this is, I don't know, just sort of, again, objectively looking at this as a children's show 
Um, they have too many characters. I mean, their main squad is, I think, seven f- people. That sounds about right. And they they interchange calling them by their first and last name, I yeah. believe. And it's really hard to keep track of who's who because of different names. I was just writing down names I was hearing of just like Bronsky, uh, mm-hmm. Mars, Mar, um, Marsala, Marsala, Takagi, Marsh, Maggie, uh, Nara, Weston, DeLeon, Taurus. And some of those might be the same people, but I have no idea because, <laughs> you know, they're not giving us, you know, uh, the sort of full dossier of everybody, you know, like we're we're really like. Which on a show like The Expanse, I'd appreciate because it's made for adults and it's like an in, like a, obviously like a, you know, the Game of Thrones style. Like you're right. It's, it's okay. A it's okay. It's gonna, you're in it for the long haul. Yeah, you're in it for the long haul. It's okay if you're a little behind in episode one. You can follow the action even if you don't literally know the first and last name of everybody. But like as a kids show, you you should have dumb names like Crazy Stunts, and he should have dumb hair that makes you think Crazy Stunts. You know what I mean? Crazy Stunts. <laughs> I mean, there's a kids show or adults show. It, it for this for this uh, remark, it doesn't matter. There are a, only a handful of shows that have really succeeded. In being able to tell a compelling story in 22 minutes, it's fucking hard. It, yeah. 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 Especially when they're shooting this high, like above their yeah, weight yeah. class, you know? Yeah. Um, but there are these really surprisingly cinematic moments that happen, like when this tanker uh, freighter is exploding and, and the, the Exoforce are like bolting to get off the ship in time. We see the just sex a, hologram, the, the sex hologram, just sort of with nobody around, you know, only ghosts, you know, really in this in this cockpit now. But the sex hologram just sort of, you know, dramatically tumbling and breaking on the ground before the ship explodes. It's just like it's fun. You, it, 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 it's yeah, it's effective. It's effective in, in reminding you, tying it back to that guy you saw earlier who we're not showing dead, but is dead. And then now his ship exploded. Like uh, the show, I think, shows a such a, a strong, deliberate attempt at being something different. It's toward the end. It was almost at the end of the episode. So I was kind of surprised when it happened. Uh, they're in the middle of this sort of like, you know, full blown naval space battle. And somebody says, Captain, launch the E-frames. They'll just get in the way of our field of fire. And then the boss just says no. Right? Like, <laughs> they, they're they not putting the toy first. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, the, the, the machines come out at like 21 minutes of 22 minute yeah. episode. But they're like, it's time to get it's time to get the boys in there. And he's like, no, the, it's, it's too crazy out there. They'll just get in the way. And I was like, what? Can you imagine if somebody just didn't deploy the Sky Service right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even in Robotech, it was near the end of the episode that Rick, like, mistakenly gets in the uh, in the, the, the Valkyrie and starts and being like, oh, shit, what do I do? But we got to see him go crazy and test fly in a regular plane already. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they wet our whistles with like, ah, that's some fun action. He's flying around. I mean, we, the they, show had plenty of action. So, so I yeah. But, but the the rejection of putting the title characters into an action scene <laughs> blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's also before that there is this like UN meeting, right? Mm, where they don't have microphones and they all have to yell really loud. <laughs> uh huh. And one of the people yelling loud is this sort of 
shrill senator man who is trying to explain that uh, that the the decision to go to war is bad and that we should just negotiate. Wait! Has anyone forgotten what war is like? 50 years ago, we said never again. I say negotiate with these people. He's meant to be but the he's whiniest. Por- he's portrayed as slimy and yeah, whiny. Yeah, and he's like, we don't want to go to war because I'm a big pussy. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, we should negotiate. This was where this is where I had a, some hesitation because, yes, like yes. I said, because yeah. like I said, the sort of uh, the terraform race of 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 uh, next generation humans is is kind of sci-fi stock, you know, is stock science fiction, but. But having this character who's anti-war be portrayed so negatively, I was like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this like 90s war hawk mentality or something is just, yeah. feels like it's popping up there a little bit. I don't know how to feel about that. But obviously, we've seen, and Andy, what you said is that like this attempt to go to war is also a ruse and is, you know, they're being misled by going to war as well. So again, this sort of long-term narrative is sort of, hard to fully judge right yeah Um, however in the wikipedia i was also looking at they've compared uh this to like world war ii is what i guess the main war not this pirates war but like the general arc of the whole show sure is sort of of meant to be this like yeah we were thinking this battle of whatever was sort of like battle the bulge and this is like Uh, but that makes me feel bad that makes me feel worse now yeah like like if we're if we're gonna pose like like the, the, there needs to be moral ambiguity if you're gonna have well we made this race of people and then treated them poorly and now they're mad we can't yeah, those say people the those Nazis. people can't be the Axis powers like <laughs> right I know I know that's so oh that's so rough I but this show ran for fifty two episodes so it's kind of hard to to really get the you know the full umbrella of the narrative they're weaving here. And they, they planned on making even more, but they couldn't. Right. Right. I it, mean, maybe, apparently uh, it started to get popular. Uh, I think, uh, I think a Patreon special might be in our future poise where we just finish out the, at least these, this like four part arc. Watch the next yeah, three. I'd, I'd be super down in some way, shape or form to actually watch more of this. Cause, cause I, I got an interesting taste and you know, I love Robotech and I've seen all of Robotech and I still recommend that you guys go back and continue and finish Macross that. At least I keep kind of meaning to, I, I would like to, it's just, it's just never been quite on the, on the front. Yeah. Burn. Yeah, totally. Um, so there, there is one more sequence that I want to talk about that was also really effective and surprising. And, uh, that is the sequence. I believe it is as the, the sort of world council or global galactic, Senator Congress, or whatever has, Congress? yeah, Congress has decided that uh, they are going to go to that war. That war is good, right? <laughs> They've decided the war with pirates is good, and they are sort of like <laughs> a little bit of time has passed, and they're sending people out to the front or whatever. And we see Nara, who is a member of the Exo yeah. Squad. Um, she's also a rookie. She's also a rookie, and she is. We see her in her room, and she's leaving like a video diary to send to her parents, and she's like, "Hey, mom and dad, I'm." This was cool. Going off to war. Hi, Mom. Dad. I hope James is there, too. Well, we're 700 million miles from Venus, so it'll take over an hour for this videogram to get to you. And by that time, I may be... Well, I'll... I'll be in action. I just wanted you all to know how much I miss you and our farm. 
I, I know you didn't want me to join the Exo Fleet, but it's given me a chance to travel all over the solar system. I've seen things I never would have seen, learned things I never would have known, and now I know there's nothing more beautiful than the sun when it breaks through the clouds of Venus. I may not be able to talk to you real soon again. So do you, Mom, to Dad, to James, and everybody. All my love, Nera. And she is also clutching a stuffed bunny rabbit while she's, like, talking about going off to war and fighting as a yeah. soldier. And it's like... Also, just a really, a really uh, salient piece of just general science fiction where she's like, you know, I know you're on Venus and this you won't get this message for a few hours. Right, yeah. right, uh-huh. yeah. And it's an attention also, to deal I fucking loved. Attention to detail I fucking loved. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like that scene. It's like upsetting because it's also like it's kind of superimposed on like images of like the war machine getting up and moving. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it made me, it, it, it filled me with such dread because like that, those are the clearest fucking death flags either for Nara or her family or something, right? Like, we're we're gonna bother to show this scene. Something nasty's gonna happen, and mm-hmm. it it gave me that. It like that's a good feeling for a show to give you like this. You know what I mean? Also, the yeah. episode ends on a complete rejection of the sort of shonen anime type. I mean, action action hero type, but I think uh, anime is is perhaps the most egregious uh, form of this, where a character's you know wounded and wants to go back into battle. And his commander completely shuts it down. He's like, Fine, eh, Bronski? Your excused duty till med group says otherwise. Oh, come on, JT. It takes more than a rough shuttle ride to put me out of action. We lost a lot of good troopers on that work shuttle. I'm not going to lose another one because he's too stubborn to admit he's not fit to fly. Yeah, we're going to miss those guys. It's cool. It's cool. And it's also, it's on Peacock. Uh, if yeah. you are interested, all I think all 52 episodes or whatever are on Peacock. Uh, so if which you're is free, which not all of us knew. Free. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. Um, there are also commercials. So it was interesting to see ExoSquad Only- dip out for a Tony the Tiger cereal <laughs> it, commercial. It, it, for the record, you can also just use an ad blocker if you don't care for sure. commercials. It's true. Yeah, they do right. work. It did work. Um. I just, yeah, it's it's really neat. And then my last bit of praise that I have to offer it is that it has a stylish next time on where it says coming on Exo Squad. And then it just shows visuals and there's no voiceover telling you what's going to cool. happen. It just shows fucking some shots from next week and they're enticing and exciting. And you're like, what's that mean? And no one, no God voice is there to fucking tell you what it means. Which was kind of my critique for the, uh, this today on for, right. for Bureau of Alien Detectors. But that's meant to really kind of juice you, uh, juice you up. And, and I don't know. It's just, uh, it's interesting. Bad was bad. <laughs> so, so it's good. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I, so I want to end this on, we've sung a lot of praise about this show because, I think on paper, there's so much to praise. Did anybody like the first episode? Yeah, I think I okay. did yeah, like, I, I think I did okay. like this episode. Uh, I, I found, I found the weak acting really distracting. It's bad. Yes. And I found how much they tried to pack into 22 episodes or 22 minutes to be, you know, kind of a roller coaster ride. I think. Yes. I think I agree with both of those things. I think that that, that I just uh, I liked the other stuff so much that it really 
outweighed the the balance it's got positive qualities and i really want to i want to believe it it finds a pace and a tone that works for it exactly we're we're really we're really hobbled by uh the main character uh jt i don't know his last name doesn't matter marsh marsh is it okay it's he's voiced by robbie benson who uh i'm now looking at his wikipedia page with a pretty hilarious thing that i'm going to tell you about but robbie benson i know He's the beast. He's the beast from Disney's Beauty and the Beast. But oh, I thought he's... you meant X Men's Beast, and it was like <laughs> I know why Rory is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's the beast from Beauty and the Beast. But I knew him first as uh, he's the main character in King's Quest Six. He's Prince Alexander. Um, and in both of those cases, I think he kind of sucks. I don't really think he's a very I, I, like the beast's voice acting is not why you like Beauty and the Beast. And I am now looking at his Wikipedia page. He has an awards and nominations section, and two thirds of this section are Stinker Awards and Razzie Awards. Oh, oh boy. no! He's gotten uh, he has for this. This is a really fun combination of things. He won in 1980 worst song or worst performance in a film or end credits for a movie called Die Laughing. But wow. a few years later. He was nominated for Best Album of the Year for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> but most of his shit is like yeah. worst actor, worst face, fake accent. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> wild. And he's the guy leading this show. And it it is it is a big bummer. That is a Uh-huh. It does and his voice doesn't fit the character's face at all. No. Yeah. But the writing and the direction are so strong here. Like mm-hmm. sequences are yeah. really well crafted. Yep. Yeah. And, we even yeah, work I'm in really a few curious. good character moments with like, and they, they they showed restraint. They didn't give a character moment to everyone in their cast in episode mm-hmm. one. They gave him like two. Like we got one with like Maggie and uh, and what's his name, Wolf, whatever the Blonsky. Oh, Bronsky. Bronsky's the food, the burping food guy. <laughs> Bronsky's the burping <laughs> food guy, and Maggie is tough and does the repairs, and they kind of give her shit. Uh, it's I don't know. We got a couple character moments. I don't know. I'm fucking done. This is a this was a good episode. I don't work. Let's go to the wrap up. So this was this was our um I, I may call it a lull in peak nineties bullshit for, for multiple reasons. It was not uh peak bullshit in no. especially with Excel Squad. Bad was you know what? It, I I feel I feel like it was a similar attempt at being exosquatty, at being quality. It 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 fell much further from the mark, but it was not just reveling in nonsense. Right. Well, I can tell you, I know why these both were forgotten to time. Um, because they just I don't think they had enough roller skates or surfer dudes in them. <laughs> yeah. You know, like not enough neon They're- lycra. There wasn't anything gross or nasty about any of the main characters. Uh-huh. Right. You know, right. I didn't feel like if I scratched them and sniffed them, Where that was they all would the smell slime? like garbage. <laughs> yeah. But we had a character who turned into goop, but I think she's a one-off. So <laughs> And it was sexy goop. So And nobody right. got yeah. slimed with it. She just moved around as goop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mm-hmm. I well, don't... I mean, Shane got slimed a little bit. Well, Shane got slimed like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they full-fretched. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think again, these are just sort of well, bad was just I think is going to fail in no matter what era it's it's placed in. But you know, Exo Squad just is intriguing, short of anything else. Yeah, yeah. I and wish I mean, I, that anybody in the children's or teens or whatever entertainment in animation today, I wish that anybody was trying to do space opera again because we are way more equipped to enjoy that now and we have way better like funding and talent in animation now than we did then and i just i think that trying to have i, I don't know this form is really fun and i really enjoy it but i have to go back 10 to 30 years to find anything decent no mm-hmm. well so so this is not uh exactly space opera i mean i don't want to i don't want to I don't want to split hairs. This to me feels more Battlestar Galactica and and the Expanse than uh, you know Wizards. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Uh, it's not operatic, really. It, it does do it. It does do a good job, kind of keeping things from getting too silly too quickly. Yeah, and I just think that could be a really fun place for like like animated content again. And yeah. uh, I miss it. I miss it. I, I I will be watching The Expanse at some point. I swear to God. I know it's really good. Uh, and it'll really scratch that itch. But like. That was why I was so in love with Star Trek Discovery when it came out. Was like. Mm. It's not. It's not perfect. And it's not even, you know, the best Star Trek or the top three Star Trek. But boy, did it come out at a time. We, we it was nice to have Star Trek. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. We were in we were in 2017, sort of like the the bottom of the bell curve of the Trump administration. Yes, a uh, Star Trek represents a uniquely positive science fiction universe where most aim for dystopia. Yeah, and I and I I needed it, man. Fuck. Yeah, I mean that's 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 uh, another episode down of peak nineties bullshit. Everybody. Um, yeah. What is what do we got on the docket for next week? Can we give a little teaser? Oh, yeah, baby. let's tease it without I mean, words, just like Exo Squad. <laughs> without words? Oh, that that'd be fun. <laughs> I can play. I can play clips from the the intros or something. That uh, would be funny. Or you can just say I was just joking. <laughs> well, next week we're going to be watching Jim Lee's Wildcats and Skeleton yes. Warriors. Yeah, Wildcats. <laughs> a show that has been uh, that I've been pushing for for years and has <laughs> has not made the cut yet. And finally, yeah. finally, finally, Jimmy's Wildcats. Oh, I mean, I'm just excited for Skeleton Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so. funny. It's funny because this week we had we had, we planned our whole arc prior to a lot of research that maybe we can learn from this and uh, <laughs> do better next time. This was not peak bullshit. It was such a miss on that attempt. Yeah. But I'm so glad we watched these episodes. Same. Yeah. I mean, they were still deeply the epitome of 90s in a lot they of ways. They were. Because, There's a lot of 90s shit going on in there. Well, I agree. because this was also the rise of shows realizing that they can serialize. Yeah. Um, and and then the anime might actually good. know something. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, this is really, you know, that pull away from something like Dinosaurs. That had to, that almost felt like you got your brain wiped between episodes. <laughs> it was like a, so aggressively unserialized. Right. Yeah. And, uh, completely. We had to convince, see... we had to convince the bossosaurs in charge <laughs> that 
<laughs> that kids can watch serialized content and not fucking fall apart. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, this is also, this is a, a notable, you know, um, uh, trend in, in this media, but you know, Bureau of Alien Detectives did not do it super well. No. And, uh, uh, Squad is pretty fucking tight. Hell yeah. Then let's get the, let's, let's get out of here. We'll see you next week for the first skeleton warriors and stuff. We'll see you next Tuesday. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you want to hear more shows from us, we have two more for you. The Infinite Backlog is our extremely exciting Marvel podcast where we started at 1961 and we move forward with way too much reading. Wham, bam, pow. (laughs) And you get to hear almost every week Rory and Shane complain about how much reading it is. There's so much reading. It's always Warlock. (laughs) It comes out most Saturdays. We've also got I've Read Dune with Rory Voy. Me, Rory Voy. It's a podcast where I have read Dune and they're my captive audience for an hour. Every Wednesday till we finish the book, we're releasing I've Read Dune with Rory Boy, me, and I've Read Dune. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you enjoyed this show or any of our shows really and you want to support us, we do have a Patreon chock full of bonus content. Everything from videos to sound clips to even some fun art that I get to make for you once a month. Um, And, you know, even if you can't support us monetarily, if you don't have anything to give, we would just love it if you joined our Discord and send us memes. Um, (laughs) Send memes to us all day long. Keep us awake all night long with your memes. We love memes. We consume them. Just ruin us with your memes. (laughs) Please ruin us with your memes. (laughs) As always, our links are in the episode description. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Laters. Laters.